I'm an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sada Flody. This episode is everything you need to know about miscarriage and stillbirth. Before I get into it, the first thing I want to make very clear is that I'm not giving any type of religious or medical advice. So if you, if you have any concerns about your medical health, please seek out your medical provider. And if you have any questions about your religion, please ask your neighborhood religious leader. It's the Muslim Sex Podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman who talks about sex. So today I'm going to get into miscarriage and stillbirth. So what exactly is a miscarriage? So we define a miscarriage as a loss of pregnancy before the 20th week of pregnancy. And this typically happens, you know, at latest in the second trimester. And the signs that we ask our patients to look for is if they note vaginal bleeding. Sometimes, though, you can go to your doctor's appointment and, you know, after 13 weeks, we can hear the baby's heartbeat with one of those fetal Dopplers. However, if you go in and we don't hear the heartbeat, you know, we'll always confirm with an ultrasound. And then if there's, again, no heartbeat, then we classify that as a miscarriage. It's always a very upsetting time for both the patient and the doctor, and we always feel very bad having to give that news to anyone at all. But it's important that if you start having bleeding, you know that you go to the doctor, you go to the ER and be evaluated. And typically in the ER, that's exactly what we'll do. You know, we'll check, obviously we'll make sure that you're pregnant and then we'll get an ultrasound to see whether or not there's a heartbeat there. Some of the causes, you know, a lot of times women will ask, well, you know, what caused this? And sometimes we don't know what caused it, but there are reasons that we do know of. For example, there's sometimes there's chromosomal abnormalities that can affect uh, div division of the fertilized egg. There can be severe uncontrolled diabetes. There can be infections. There can be issues with, for example, your hormones. There can be problems with the uterus or the cervix. For example, if a woman has multiple fibroids, sometimes if the implantation of that embryo happens on that fibroid, that can result in miscarriage. Um, if the woman has what's called a septum uh, in the uterus, sometimes that can result in a miscarriage if the embryo implants on that because there's no blood supply that goes to that septum. And a septum is kind of like Imagine kind of a wall that separates one side of the uterus from the other side. So it can be, sometimes it can go all the way from the top to the bottom of that uh, uterus, or sometimes it can go halfway, but either when, whenever that embryo implants on that septum, um, it will probably result in miscarriage because there's no blood supply that's part of that septum. So there can also be issues with thyroid disease. There can be, if there's been exposure to chemicals or uh, unsafe levels of radiation, sometimes that can also result in miscarriage. So important to be evaluated. And a lot of times what happens is that if a miscarriage happens, 
if you go to the ER and you're bleeding, what we'll do is we'll do a pelvic exam and sometimes there can be what's called a threatened miscarriage where we see a little bit of blood, but there's still, heart, there's still a heartbeat within um, that fetus and the pregnancy has not been expelled outside of the uterus. So, you know, we'll tell you to keep a close watch and we'll let you go home. But other times, if there's a lot of bleeding that's occurring at that time and there's no heartbeat, then we'll, you know, recommend that you get a DNC. And at that time of the DNC, sometimes you can ask for genetics and you can talk to your provider about that. And the reason why that's important is because that can sometimes give you the cause of why this miscarriage happened. And if there's, for example, if there's like what we call a trisomy, if there's three, you know, usually there's like um, uh, 20, uh, 46 chromosomes. And sometimes if uh, there's trisomy, like for example, trisomy 21, which there's three of chromosome number 21, which can result in Down syndrome. Sometimes that can also be um, a cause of miscarriage. And there's other types of trisomies that occur as well. So chromosomal abnormalities definitely are one of the primary reasons why women have miscarriages. So that's why it's important that if you're having a miscarriage that you see if your provider can get uh, genetics done on that embryo so that you can find out what may or may not have caused the miscarriage. And again, you know, sometimes we just don't know. So that's why it's important that if you're able to find out, then um, it's always helpful. Also, other risk factors for why a woman may miscarry is that as we age, our eggs age as well. And so a woman that's at the age of 35 has a 20% risk of miscarrying, a woman that's 40 has a 40% chance of a miscarriage, and a woman that's 45 has up to 80% chance of miscarriage. So that's why it's important that, you know, whenever a woman decides that she wants to get pregnant, that she get try to get pregnant right away, just because as we age, again, our eggs age, and there's a higher risk of miscarriage with that. Uh, recurrent miscarriages sometimes can happen as well. And typically we refer to that um, after two miscarriages happen. And if a woman has a history of recurrent miscarriages, it's important to be evaluated for that by your gynecologist. And sometimes we will refer you to a high-risk doctor that will also do a workup and try to figure out why you're having recurrent miscarriages. Also, chronic conditions such as diabetes, uncontrolled diabetes definitely can result in miscarriages because it can result in cardiac abnormalities in the fetus. And so that's why it's important to make sure that if you're diabetic, that your diabetes is under well control before you try to conceive. Smoking, alcohol, drugs can also, of course, result in miscarriage. Being sometimes extremely overweight or extremely underweight can result in miscarriages. And Sometimes if there's been exposure to radiation or harsh chemical, toxic chemicals, that can result in miscarriage. So always important to take a look at your environment and try to maintain the best possible health that you can prior to conceiving. Also, it's important to start taking folic acid and take prenatal vitamins if you can, even three months prior to conceiving, because having that folic acid on board will just help the fetus in terms of development of its spinal cord and its brain. So that's why those vitamins are so, so important to get those on board. Again, we spoke a little bit about the symptoms of 
bleeding and um, cramping and spotting that can happen with uh, somebody that's about to miscarry. Also, some people can have um, abdominal pain. And one of the most important things to notice is that if you're having severe abdominal pain and you're newly pregnant, make sure you go in and be evaluated because you want to make sure you don't have an ectopic pregnancy. And I think we spoke a little bit about that in a prior podcast, but an ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy that develops outside of the uterus and it can be anywhere. It can be on the ovary. It can be in the tube. um, It can be in one of the horns of the uterus. And if a pregnancy starts to develop there, that can be definitely very risky for the mother, especially if it ruptures. So if you're having extremely a hard time with abdominal pain, if you're having severe abdominal pain and bleeding, and you just found out that you're pregnant, please, please go in and be evaluated just to make sure that the pregnancy is where it's supposed to be and you, that you don't have an ectopic pregnancy. Also, sometimes when women are miscarrying, they can be you know, passing blood, pa- passing clots, sometimes even tissues. So again, if any of those things happen, please go and be evaluated. You can definitely get pregnant. Again, after a miscarriage, we typically ask that you wait three months uh, in between a miscarriage and attempting to conceive again, only because we wanna make sure that those hormones of pregnancy go down to zero and that when you conceive again, that we know it's from a fresh pregnancy and that it's just, it's not the remnants from the old pregnancy. And that's why we ask that you wait three months. And some people will just use condoms in between, but remember, it's important to use some type of contraception uh, in between those pregnancies. Stillbirth. Now, what exactly is a stillbirth? So stillbirth is what we define as a pregnancy loss after 20 weeks. There can be what we call um, late stillbirth, early stillbirth, and term stillbirth. So early stillbirth is a fetal death between 20 and 27 weeks. Late stillbirth is anywhere from 28 to 36 weeks. And then there's term stillbirth. So term refers to a pregnancy that is 37 weeks and beyond. So that is a term stillbirth. And again, stillbirth is where the fetus passes away in utero, inside of the uterus. There's multiple risk factors for that as well. It can be, you know, older uh, age of the woman, for example, 35 and above. It could be low socioeconomic status, poor prenatal care. And um, the reason why we say that is that, unfortunately, women that end up having not good access to health care are ones that can sometimes have stillbirths. And that's just because they may not have the resources to go and find a provider or have health care or have health care insurance. So that's something that we as a society need to work on and make sure that everyone has access to health care so that we can prevent things that are preventable. Um, again, other medical conditions are smoking during pregnancy. Definitely, if you're pregnant, you know, try to stop smoking. Uh, It's one of the most important things that you can do for yourself and for your baby. Other medical conditions are obesity, high blood pressure, malnourishment. Sometimes when women have multiples, that can also be a risk for um, stillbirths. So lots of 
causes, but it's important to just make sure that you're seeking out prenatal care and that you're going for your visits so that hopefully any issue that arises, you know, can be handled and that you can take precautionary measures to prevent any adverse events. Um, symptoms, again, of stillbirth are different than those of miscarriage because they're same and then there's they're a little bit different. The reason being that miscarriage typically happens when you're not yet feeling the baby move. And so those symptoms are more of like cramping and bleeding, whereas for a stillbirth, as it happens, it's typically after 20 weeks. And around 23 weeks, especially for a first pregnancy, is when you start to feel that baby move. So if you're not feeling fetal movement, it's so, so important to go to your doctor's office and be evaluated and checked out because those are one of the biggest signs that we look for. You know, we always ask a woman to make sure that she's feeling movement. And if you're not, then it's important to sometimes drink or eat and then lie down on your side and make sure that you're feeling movement so that you can be reassured that everything's okay. And if you're not feeling movement or if you're having decreased fetal movement, please, please go call your provider, go into the hospital, be evaluated. Because what we do when that happens is we put you on a monitor, we take a listen for the baby's heartbeat, we do an ultrasound, and we make sure that everything is okay. So that's why it's really important to make sure you're feeling that baby move. Once you start feeling the baby move in pregnancy, it's important that you always feel it move. And we also tell women to do what's called fetal kick counts. And that's where we ask you to lie down and feel for movements of the fetus. Also, other things that you want to be aware of is you want to make sure, again, regardless of what point in your pregnancy it is, that you don't have any vaginal bleeding. If you start to have experienced vaginal bleeding, again, it's important to be evaluated by your healthcare provider. You also want to make sure that, um, you know, if you have any gush of fluid or anything like that, that you go in and you be evaluated. There's really no treatment for a stillbirth. A stillbirth is, you know, when there's no longer any fetal heartbeat. So if that happens, unfortunately, then, you know, that's considered a stillbirth. And what we will do at that point is we will definitely confirm Typically, we do like two ultrasounds. We'll confirm that, you know, there's no heartbeat. Then what we do is we give you the option, and it depends on how, many, how far along the patient is um, in terms of what the options are for delivery of a stillbirth. Most times, we will have uh, the patient try to deliver that fetus vaginally, and that's we'll give inducing agents so that the woman can have a vaginal delivery. You know, it's oftentimes, all the time, actually, I would say that it's it's very traumatic for the mother to have something like that happen. And so the last thing we want is for the woman to have to undergo a C-section for a stillbirth. However, it does happen. And, um, you know, we've had to do that in the past. I've had to do that in the past to do a C-section for a stillbirth. And that is probably one of the saddest reasons to have to do a c-section for an obstetrician and for the mom herself as well 
is to have to do a C-section for a stillbirth. So most times we will try to have a vaginal delivery for that mom so that it's the least amount of trauma that she has to go through. Also very important to be able to, after something like that happens, is to be able to process it. So it's going to be important to seek out the help of a therapist, a psychiatrist, to go over your thoughts, your feelings, and how to recoup from something like that, you know, something that is so traumatic. How do you recover from that? And so that's why that's very important to seek out mental health care providers. Also, you know, again, the same thing stands that after something like that, after delivery of a stillborn, you know, we ask that you make sure that you don't have a fever, that uh, any fever that happens, you go in, you get checked out. You know, if you had a C-section that you get your incision checked out, if for some reason they had to make an episiotomy, whatever, you know, you that you go, you follow up with your prenatal care provider, because then you can discuss next steps. If you decide you want to have another child, you don't want to have another child, what do you want to use for contraception? You know, the next steps for when you decide you want to have another child, you know, you'll definitely have to go to a high-risk provider so that they can evaluate you and perhaps they'll place you on a baby aspirin or maybe they'll tell you to take extra folic acid or whatever. If there was a reason or a cause for that miscarriage or delivery, then hopefully for the next pregnancy, if that patient decides they want to have another pregnancy, that they can take precautionary measures to hopefully prevent that same incident from happening again. And again, as with a miscarriage, sometimes with a stillbirth, you know, we may not have a reason, we may not have a cause of why that happened. So, you know, sometimes that can be a little bit disconcerting, but, you know, know that sometimes that does happen. Other times we will get a chromosomal analysis, even on that stillborn, we'll take cultures, we'll do blood tests on the mom and try to figure out a cause of why this happened. So, and one of the things that we do check up on is um, looking for blood clotting disorders, infections in the mom, um, things of that nature. So those are some of the most biggest reasons why a woman may have a stillbirth. Um, again, like I said, you know, counseling is very important postpartum. And, um, and then if you, you know, decide you want to conceive again, you know, the most important thing is going to be to heal from the trauma of that uh, stillbirth and mentally be prepared for having another baby if you decide that that's what you want and you want to try to conceive. And remember, if you decide you don't want to try to conceive, there are other options. You know, there are surrogates, there's adoption, there's lots of ways to find that fulfillment if you decide you want to proceed with trying to have a child or a family of your own. You know, there are different, definitely different ways to do it and achieve the same goal. So, so that's it for this podcast. And I am done here. It's been real and really intimate. And remember, this is not meant to be medical advice. So please see your healthcare provider for any concerns you might have. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Mm-hmm.